Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show, brought to you by Calm Box Feeds. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, National Spokesperson for the USDA, Biosecurity for Birds Program, and Editor-in-Chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and, of course, living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Calm Bach Feed. At Kambach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all-natural, antibiotic-free with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kambach Feeds. Find a dealer at kambachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. All righty, thank you very much for, for staying with us. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We've got Bridget McRae, Ph.D. She's going to be joining us here shortly, and we're going to be talking about really education opportunities for your kids and their poultry. Uh, she's very involved in 4-H. She's an instructor. She's a, um, a judge for the um, uh, poultry contest they have, avian bowls, and uh, just uh, really passionate about that. So uh, we thought it would be a great idea to have a show uh, surrounding that topic. Again, educational opportunities for your kids and their poultry. So really looking forward to having Dr. McRae on here in just a few minutes. And uh, so, so during this time, 
uh, go ahead and get pen and paper out so you can take some notes and jot some ideas down and different things like that. So uh, you can go over them with your kids, and uh, maybe you all can do some of these great opportunities uh, that Dr. McCreary is going to share with us today. Uh, I haven't done this in a while, but I want to send a shout-out to all of our homeschoolers that listen to the show, there's thousands of you that incorporate the show into your daily curriculum. We thank you very much for that. Again, we try to keep it science-based, fact-based, study-based information um, for keeping a healthy flock of backyard poultry. And so that's why we have, again, uh, accumulated a large group of homeschoolers that listen to the show because of just that. Um, and we're proud to have you. Over the road truck drivers, we do hear from you, and we thank you. Keep that rubber on the road and get home safe to your families. But um, we thank you for all you do, and thanks for tuning into the podcast of the show when you can. Even at 3 a.m., you're riding down the road, you got a small flock back at home, and uh, you want to learn a bit, little bit more about that, and you're tuning in. And um, we thank you for doing so. Um, all of the, uh, again, listeners to the podcast, there are thousands of you, and we thank you very much for that. And actually all the stores across the country, the feed and seat stores that actually stream the show live uh, for their customers during the day while they're shopping in their stores. We thank you for doing that as well. We hope business as well. And uh, we hope to see you soon on the Chicken Whisperer uh, Tour. I guess my next tour will be this coming spring. And um, already, yep, already starting to, to plan that and really looking forward to that. So uh, got to love it. I uh, wanted to first kind of share some chickens in the news information. And we posted this on the uh, Chicken Whisperer Facebook page last week. Um, I guess it was, um, well, maybe it was yesterday morning. But the title really was Inexperience to Disaster in Small Specialty Poultry Flocks. This comes to us from Poultry Health Today and uh, Disaster Flocks. When good intentions uh, go bad. So I just wanted to share this with you if you're not on Facebook or uh, didn't happen to see the uh, story. It's it's very interesting. And um, a lot of vets and people at diagnostic laboratories, uh, poultry does not, are seeing a lot of this. Um, and uh, it's come to light, and people are starting to talk about it now. Uh, but again, this comes to us from Poultry Health Today, and experience leads to disaster in small poultry uh, flock. Disease and high mortality in a small Midwestern poultry operation of the U.S. demonstrates the consequences of inexperience coupled with the treatment restraints of organic farming. Uh, Patricia uh, Walknell, uh, doctor of Veterinary Medicine and PhD, uh, double doctor, 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 <laughs> I love it, um, Purdue University reported at the 2016 Western Poultry Disease Conference. I would have liked to have attended that. That would have been very fun and interesting. In her presentation, Disaster Flocks, When Good Intentions Go Bad, she reported on a 5,000 bird flock with mortality at one point reaching 50 to 60% no treatment had been initiated because the farm was organic. Uh, contacted for help, the university's Purdue, uh, excuse me, the university's poultry diagnostic service found unvaccinated birds. Only a half a wall separated broilers from layers. Broilers were separated into pens by age. They could jump from one pen to the other. Litter was never changed, and some had been present for at least six months. New hatchlings were in a pen previously occupied by turkeys. Uh, ventilation was adequate, but heat for young broilers was not. There were numerous dead broilers, and those that were sick had, uh, let's see, uh, snicking, 
lameness, diarrhea, stunting, pendulous crops, uh, depression of and feather loss. Uh, diagnostics revealed, um, and some of these diseases that I cannot <laughs> pronounce. Uh, infectious bursal, of course, we know about. I can pronounce that one. Infectious bronchitis, Merrick's disease, salmonellaosis. Uh, salmonella, we talked that's a big one lately. Uh, the owner refused to depopulate, but cleaned out litter from vacated pens and sourced birds vaccinated against Merrick's disease. A second submission for diagnosis, however, turned up uh, aspergillosis. About one month after the university's initial visit, mortality was occurring in layers, infectious laryngotracheitis, and mycoplasma were diagnosed. The owner resisted total depopulation of the layer flock, depopulated birds on just one side of the building. There has been some improvement with broiler mortality approaching 40%. However, the resistance to depopulation, cleaning, disinfection, and single-age broiler restocking has made it difficult to find ways to improve the health of the birds. Small specialty poultry flocks are exploding in popularity, driven by public desire to have local fresh eggs and meat. Unfortunately, many of the farmers are new to poultry farming and do not have training in the basics of biosecurity and disease containment. In addition, public demands for organic products limit the types of intervention that can be used when disease issues do occur on the farm. You can look at all of this and uh, read through it yourself. Even contact the author uh, over at our Facebook page. Just go to www.facebook.com forward slash the chicken whisperer and uh, you'll be able to see that scroll down on our page a little bit and you will see it there so uh, actually dr mccray shared this with me a couple of days ago i read through it and wanted to share it for folks and uh, i'm going to uh, right now i'm going to bring dr mccray on and then i'm going to read the most detailed response to that on our facebook page and get dr mccray's uh, reaction um, to that. So, uh, Hi, Andy. welcome, Doc. Thanks for joining us today. I'm going to get over here, and then we'll get on to our topic today, uh, which I think is a fabulous one, by the way. And um, let me get over here, and I'll read uh, just one of the comments um, by, uh, I believe it was a young lady, and it was the most lengthy, but it was the most, I guess, uh, responsive and detailed. Let me see where it is here. Give me just a second. There weren't a whole lot, but... Okay, here we go. I found it. Okay, let me see more here. Okay. This comes to us. uh, Cheryl pointed this out. Okay. This article, the way it is written, is very misleading and does more damage than good. One, 5,000 birds is not a small flock. While it is not the number of birds found on the commercial industrialized poultry farms, it is still not a small flock. Two, mortality rates of 50 to 60% are not uncommon, depending on the disease affecting the flock. Three, it says that no treatment had been initiated because the farm was organic. However, there are several poultry diseases that there are no real treatment options available. 
they mention finding unvaccinated birds and make it sound like that is part of the problem. However, what they fail to mention is that many current vaccines are leaky vaccines and are very ineffective. Four, from the conditions described, the major factors seem to be lack of proper habitat, along with enough supplies and manpower for maintaining sanitary conditions. Five, while they, while they decry an experience as a huge problem, and it can be, let's not forget that the H5 avian flu, avian flu outbreaks began in experienced commercial industrialized farms. Six, while the article mentions resistance to total depopulation, it doesn't mention whether they are trying to keep some of the survivors in an effort to breed for resistance. That drives me nuts because um, you hear it all the time from a lot of folks. Oh, well, why don't they just allow these avian bluebirds to live and those that make it, we can breed to those birds and they can now all have resistance. Happy go lucky and we'll never have this problem again. Seven, uh, they mentioned the demand for organic products limiting the types of intervention that can be used. However, even though limited in many states, there are types of intervention that can be used in regards to diseased flocks. This article comes across as a pro-commercial poultry-keeping, anti-backyard flock-keeping, and pro-government control over all poultry-keeping, which is nonsense. So that was a, a very lengthy, you know, organized response. We thank Cheryl for uh, sharing her uh, opinion with us uh, on this topic. But uh, very interesting. And that's uh, a lot of the hey, same Andy, things. I, I have yes. to say hats off to your listeners for really tackling this topic, at least this particular listener, they were uh, organized. They were to the point. I really liked point number four. Um, They lost me right at the end there because we don't know who the author was from what I can tell. Um, At least in this publication, they don't list author names. They're just really kind of going over what was presented um, so I don't know what bias that author may have had. But uh, your listeners are doing a really great job of doing some critical thinking and critical analysis and critical writing in, in um, coming across uh, these different topics that are put forth out there in the news. So, yes, it, well, these aren't backyard chickens we're talking about. A 5,000-bird operation is not somebody's five-bird backyard operation. However, backyarders are lumped into the same category as somebody who is, you know, less than 10,000 birds. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, uh, there nowhere are very few... I'm sorry? Yeah, nowhere on here does it say backyard flock whatsoever, anywhere under right. there's nothing. It says all specialty right. poultry... That's what this but is. If you, it says small specialty poultry flock in the title. That's all it says. Correct. And, you know, no, it's not 20,000 birds. No, it's not a million bird layer operation. But guess what? When you're smaller than average, you're going to get lumped in with other groups, unfortunately. I think the smallest study I have ever seen as I'm looking at this right here, is the 2007 Small Enterprise Chicken Study, and their smallest number was 1,000 birds. So anybody who was under 1,000 birds, you know, they they had a hard time, you know, 
splitting those out. I'm not even sure that they did. I haven't read that in quite a while. But, yeah, unfortunately, I I would have to say that not everybody has great intentions or can stay on top of an operation this size. And sometimes you have to get to this side to see profits, depending on uh, your marketing plan and what your costs are and where you're located in the United States. These are all things that, that play a role. But, no, I think I think you found a, a person who who is very good at um, critical writing. Kudos, Andy. Very good. Yep. Like I said, it's... Uh... It's good. We and you know, it's, if I went over here to all of the people that have been banned from the Chicken Whisper page, I can probably count them on one, two hands tops. Versus a lot of the other uh, chicken related blogs and forums, you know, the first second you disagree with them and they're blocking you or banning you from their page. And if I went over and looked at all the people that are banned from my page over the years, it was probably from using um, uh, cuss words or maybe a personal attack, not just debating or giving their thoughts or their opinion. Um, and you get banned. In fact, I, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, uh, I got banned. Oh no, I'll sleep over it uh, from a Facebook forum because again. Um, they uh, fact science and, and, and study based critical thinking skills are not something yeah. that people want to have to use every day. Absolutely. So it was uh, it was very interesting. So, oh my goodness! But we have a fun topic today and a great topic for all of our homeschool listeners. I know we've already got a comment uh, on the page uh, asking if this would be available later, and it is. All of our shows are archived into a podcast, so you can listen 24 hours a day seven days a week uh, by Jessica, and uh, she wanted to know if she could listen to this later on when her son gets home from school, and it is uh, sure absolutely tune in. So that'll be uh, great. And again, to remind folks, I'm going to go to commercial break. We'll come back and get started. i got to go to the commercial and do our first commercial break. We only run two during the whole show, and I have to do that. But um, again, the topic today uh, is uh, going to be talking about education opportunities, um, for kids and their poultry. So it's going to be a good one during the break. You can run and get a pen and paper so you can take lots of notes. And when we return, we'll have a lot of this great information from Dr. McRae. So stay with us, folks. We'll be right back with Dr. McRae. And again, opportunities for kids. And- when you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Want to protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster? Nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and large fowl hens. They also come in several different styles and colors. Give your hens the protection they deserve by purchasing Hen Saver Hen Aprons today. 
100% of all proceeds goes to provide care to rescued animals at Crazy K Farm in Hempstead, Texas. Purchase your Hen Saver Hen aprons at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at one 888 824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Stromberg's should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at Stromberg'sChickens.com. That's Stromberg'sChickens.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today. Uh, the first uh, ad that I played was for Brent C. Products, and I want to let you know, uh, I guess it was last week, um, I was uh, heading down 95 in, in Florida, maybe it was the week before, in the last probably 10 days, and I stopped in Titusville, Florida, where their U.S. headquarters are located, and I kind of made a surprise visit to Pascal. Normally, we go out to lunch uh, once a year, sometimes twice a year uh, when I'm in that area, but uh, it was just kind of a spur of the moment. Hey, I can't pass this exit without heading over to see Brincy. And it was such a great opportunity, great timing, because literally within the hour um, before I was there, they received um, their first shipment uh, of just a select few of their brand new line of incubators for 2017. So I can't even post a picture of them, but I can tell you uh, that there's uh, at least 
really three different models that are coming into the market, and each model has three different levels of bells and whistles. So really, you have maybe nine different types uh, of incubators, and again, uh, three different types, and then each one of those three have three levels of bells and whistles. So um, your basic, your intermediate, and your super advanced, and uh, really fascinating stuff, really cool. And we're, I think we're probably I'm going to be giving away the first one in the uh, winter issue of Chicken Whisperer Magazine, excited about that. And uh, they are going to be discontinuing a model or two, so shh, uh, top secret. Uh, and some of these new ones are going to be replacing brand new. The uh, U.S. headquarters, they only had one of each or two of each. That was it. The rest coming over via freight from the, the U.K. Uh, towards the end, I mean, the third week of October. So as long as it gets into customs, and, get, and hopefully we'll get them in time, because I also want Lisa, um, who does all of our reviews on our product source for the magazine, hopefully she can have one in time to run through a hatch and do a review all also for uh, the winter issue of Chicken Whisperer Magazine, but we'll be giving away the first one, which is fabulous. But, yeah, they've got brand-new line of incubators over Brinsley coming out in the next two to three weeks, so you want to look out for that. And, of course, you get 10% off, uh, even the brand-new units, um, when you use the coupon code WHISPER uh, when you check out. So let's get on to uh, today's topic uh, with Dr. McCray. Again, educational opportunities for kids and their Dr. McCray, I'll turn it over to you, my friend. Thank you, Andy. One of the things I've been working on lately has really inspired me to to share more with your listeners, Um, and that is things that you can do with either individual kids or maybe groups of kids to really get them more involved in the poultry that exists either in the surrounding community, at a community garden, or flocks that they themselves own. And I know some some schools might have some flocks as well, and it might be a good idea, some good ideas in here that teachers might find useful. Great. So, uh, of course, you've heard me talk a lot about avian bulls, so I'm just going to start off with that one because that's one of the things that I get very excited about. Egg excited about. <laughs> so, I'm sorry? I said avian bulls are awesome, and I remember when I was up at Coop Tastic and, and, you, and you had avian bull there, and it was fascinating to watch. The, the, the education from the kids that were participating was just uh, fascinating. And, uh, but I still, every time you mention it, I think of some type of entree at a Oriental restaurant. Uh, yes, I'd like to have uh, the <laughs> avian bull uh, with uh, – I, I still it just does. It reminds me. Yeah, I'd like to have the uh, – uh, the, um, Sesame chicken, and I'll have the avian bowl, please. <laughs> well, every year we have avian bowl competitions in different states. So this here is still the time of year when you can sign up for 4-H, and it may not be a year-long program. Some areas only do uh, avian bowl in the spring and summer, and that makes sense mm-hmm. because the new avian bowl sections come out right around just before the holidays. So you can um, so you can kind of plan your year and when you can use this activity and how long you can um, spread it out how how interested you can keep your kids in the the programming. One of the things that I've done is I'll get started say in January and get a group of kids together who are interested in aviable and explain what aviable is. Maybe give them a chance to run through some really super easy questions, especially if they're young. Um, if they're, say, age 9 to 13, 
um, you know, that's a, a really young age. And, you know, start with the, the easier questions, and then you can challenge the older kids with some more difficult questions. But in January, that's when you see who gets along with whom, who's really, um, you know, uh, maybe has the potential for being a good leader and would be a good team captain. That's where you can get excited um, about the young people that you're working with and, and do some team building with them. Of course, to keep the meetings chicken-oriented, um, you can bring birds in and talk about, you know, depending on the section of Aviable that you're working on, there's an entire avian system section where they can talk about some of the anatomy of the birds. And that's a great starting point for any age group is just that. Um, there's some good spelling questions in there. I wouldn't do true-false because Aviable is when you have two kids up there, if um, if the first team gets it wrong, then the correct answer then becomes obvious to the other team. So that's why we say there's no true-false. There's just multiple choice. Um, then there's fill-in-the-blank spelling and short answer questions and, of course, bonus questions. One of the things that I've been working on is some things that uh, coaches or leaders can do for Avian Bowl to keep the kids entertained during um, monthly meetings, if that's how often you meet. It could be that you have a shorter period of time where you only get together for three months before um, a, a state qualifier or a competition that's regional. And um, one of the things is just go through uh, the section that everyone is assigned and have everybody uh, make a crossword puzzle. There's lots of online crossword puzzles that you can do, um, that they can uh, create online, have them printed out and bring it to the next meeting, and um, then they can get, they can share with everyone in their group. If everybody's got the same section, they can test each other's knowledge and have they been actually been reading up on the material. So having them do the work for you is a great way to um, to make that happen. Uh, Another another activity at another meeting you can do is <clears throat> guessing a word. <coughs> excuse me, by describing all around it, but not actually saying the word. So, do you remember the game show um, Pyramid? <coughs> excuse me, Andy. Yes, absolutely. The twenty thousand dollar pyramid. Yeah, absolutely. You, you in that case, you you what was it? You only got one word that you could say and your partner had to guess it, this is something along the same lines, but allowing a few more words because, you know, um, we want them to have a great experience guessing whatever word it is we're, we're aiming for. It's, it's kind of like Pictionary with words. So you can have, them, have one of them go up in front of a team or you can have them pair off, but you can select the words from the section that they're studying, and, you know, if you give them five to ten words to work with, uh, maybe the if you've got them split into teams, the two people that do the best have to go up against each other, that sort of thing. Um, mm -hmm. Another suggestion uh, is pronunciation, because a lot of these words in Avian Bowl, <clears throat> excuse me, Andy, I just got a little tickle at the back of my throat. Some of these words are a little difficult to pronounce because they come from different languages. 
um, whether they've got a French background or maybe uh, Greek, um, Latin, is to write 20 words on a chalkboard or a whiteboard or a piece of paper and then have your team send up two members. They have to read the definition um, out loud, and then they have to run up and touch the word that they just read the definition for. Um, or you can have them stand up and try to pronounce the words that are on the board. Um, and, of course, you can have a point system. And one of the things I advocate is keep a, a tally <clears throat> of points as the year goes forth, um, as you're studying and practicing, and whoever has the highest point total, uh, maybe they get a book or something else, maybe something poultry-related at the end of the year. Um, or it could be something that the team themselves select within a, a price range that you choose at that very first meeting. So if you're, if you're keeping track of the points, then you can say, oh, okay, well, Jimmy's doing the best. He's doing great at this meeting. He came out on top, but, um, you know, if they don't to meetings or something comes up, they're sick, you know, they, they might fall behind. But at the end of the year, it does balance itself all out at the end. Mm-hmm. All right. Another activity that you can do with poultry terms, and it could be any poultry term, is is first letter, last letter. You write down a word, and your young person has to find a second word that starts with the last letter and the first word. Okay, so if I write down the word chicken, what's the last letter there, Andy? N. So can you come up with a poultry-related term that starts with N? Necropsy. I was thinking nest. See, there's lots of options out there. So you can you can keep going. Try to stay away from words that end with Y, though, Andy, because there's a very limited number of words that start with Y. I'm sorry. Nope. <laughs> you can end with necropsy, maybe. <laughs> and so that's a great way to to really uh, maybe spend the day as you're cleaning the chicken coop, you can play first letter, last letter with all the terms, and that's a way to maybe pass the time a little bit more. <clears throat> there are sections in the Avian Bowl Manual that have a lot of lists with, like, say, cooking terms or cooking equipment. Um, what you can do is have a, a little verbal competition and you give your team members one minute to incorporate as many of the terms as possible into a conversation that they have with their their teammates. Um, so whether it's a joke or a, a legitimate term like say souffle or um, omelet pan, you know they've they've got to really think about these words and and that way they'll commit them to memory just a little bit better. Uh, another way to to play with some of these terms that can get kind of tough <clears throat> and hard to pronounce is is um, erase a word. I like to to have my kids write some of the words up that they find the most difficult. Um, then you you organize them into two lists. You line your members up, and then everybody gets to pronounce 
uh, a shot to pronounce the first word on the list that's in front of them. Um, so like words like bain marie, which is a water bath, is a very French term, and so that can kind of intimidate the young people. Or saying souffle or quiche correctly, if you look at them, you might not. Uh, if you look at the words, you might not think that they're they're spelled just or pronounced the way that they're spelled. Um, another activity is 20 questions. You can have each member write down a word from their section, and then the other members of the team try to guess what that word is. But you know, tell them what section you're pulling from. <laughs> And then go around the team twice so that each member writes down two words and gives a shot at it. And, and that way the young people are ready for a written exam if they are ever in a competition that's large enough that they need to seed the teams. Everybody's a little bit more familiar with the, the different sections that way. So as you can see where I'm going with a lot of these games and comprehension and word association are very commonly used by teachers. So I would encourage coaches to kind of delve into that portion online with Avian Bowl and then follow up with making some of the dishes that you see in the encyclopedia section of the Avian Bowl manual. Try making a custard pie. Talk about the ingredients. See if they like the taste of it. And um, <clears throat> as well as a few of the other dishes that are in there. And they may really find that they want to um, incorporate that into something else that they're doing at school, whether it's a, or maybe even in their 4-H club, maybe they have to do a demonstration. Well, why not do a demonstration on how to make a custard pie? Or why not do a demonstration on how to uh, crack open an egg and identify the parts? Those are all things that you can get your kids interested in, uh, or even how to hard cook an egg. Uh, or how to tell if an egg is hard-cooked or if an egg is um, still raw inside, uncooked. Those are all easy demonstrations that young people will probably be asked to do and can be kind of part of a show-and-tell at regular meetings that you have with young people. Um, and they're readily available out there. Um, the Avian Bowl Manual is about 15 or so dollars. Uh, available through Clemson University, and if you're interested in getting yourself a copy of the Avian Bowl Manual, um, then you can go to the National 4-H Poultry and Egg Conference website, click on Avian Bowl, and scroll down to where it tells you how to get your hot little hands on a copy of the Avian Bowl Manual. So there you go. There's uh, some ideas for folks. Um, one of the other things I've been working on most recently is the poultry judging contest. Um, I, uh, there are some leaders out there who, who do it year-round. There are some who do it seasonally, uh, depending on when their competition is. And a lot of times your county competition or your state competition may line up almost exactly with the poultry judging contest. So it might be a, a matter of, okay, well, if I get these kids excited about Avian Bowl, half the meeting can be Avian Bowl, half the meeting we can talk about poultry judging contest. And there is actually a poultry judging section in the Avian Bowl manual, so that can kind of do double duty some years when, when that section is assigned. So for the poultry judging contest, 
Um, you don't have to be in 4-H. You can also do it in if you're in FFA. Um, there's three sections. There's eggs, there's meat, and there's past production hens. And I've been doing some research, um, some surveys of young people who've gone to nationals for the poultry judging contest, and I've asked them, what part of the contest do they use the most for their um, they've called upon the most for either their daily jobs or maybe for what they're they're using if they're still in college, what they're using in college. And they come back time and again and say it's the public speaking aspect. And not everybody's a great public speaker. But as most of us know, sometimes in our jobs we have to talk to groups of people or even to individual people or one or two people and we've got to be able to put our thoughts together in an organized manner and present with confidence um, our, either our point of view or the analysis that we've just done. So that's where the poultry judging contest is, comes in very handy. Um, one of the things that I have my young people do is I will print out on uh, three by five inch recipe cards um, I'll send those through the printer, and I will make fake classes of laying hens, and I'll make sure that they they can actually get those classes in the right order. So that's a good practice. Have they been studying that section of the manual? And, yes, there is a 4-H poultry judging manual that's about, I think it's 6 or $7 now, available from University of Nebraska-Lincoln. And it is just full of great information. And I've actually used that manual on your show in the past, Andy, when I've described how to tell when a hen is done laying and which hens are freeloaders and which hens are your keepers. So um, that information is in there. Um, and that's usually the section that the young people have to do their presentation on. They have to say which hens are the best layers and which hens are the worst layers. And that's usually out of a group of four. So they can really take a look at um, uh, an example in that manual of how to present their reasons. Um, usually it goes something like this. I'm contestant number 12. I place this class of past production hens, uh, four, three, two, one. I placed four over three because I found it to be an easy pair and I broke it on color or bleaching. Uh, then you just systematically describe the birds and compare them one, uh, against one another. So you talk about your top pair, your middle pair, and your bottom pair. And then if there's anything that was common amongst the four birds, you mention it at the end and you finish up and say, for these reasons, I place these class of past production hens, four, three, two, one. And I have my young people practice in front of a full-length mirror, uh, no gum. <laughs> Doing presentations while somebody is chewing gum is very distracting, so I encourage them to get in the habit of no gum while they're, they're practicing their oral reasons. And uh, one of the other things that they can do um, as far as practicing with eggs either for fun or for the contest is uh, go get yourself some wooden eggs and paint them in chalkboard paint or 
come Easter time, save some of those plastic eggs and paint them in chalkboard paint. Uh, dries fairly quickly, and you can have your young people either with different colored pieces of chalk or even with just one chalk color, um, practice making stains or marks of different sizes on those eggs. Uh, if they, if it's around Easter time, they can actually just decorate the eggs with those um, pieces of chalk and really make a beautiful egg, and that's another fun activity for young people. Uh, Lastly, uh, breaking out eggs and um, candling eggs. If you have an egg candler, you can kind of make some older eggs with big air cells and then some not-so-old eggs with A-size air cells and then some really fresh eggs with small air cells. Kids love to learn some of these hands-on activities. and um, It's a nice compliment to maybe you had a session with with avian bowl and they were doing a lot of word games well now let's do something hands-on so it's a nice compliment there and they're learning how to candle eggs in a dark room another thing you can do that is really great for the older kids um, is the meat portion of the contest tied in with the barbecue contest what you can do is you can um, set several birds out on maybe some uh, freezer paper that is a wax line paper and explain how birds get marked down from either an A to a B or maybe from a B to a C. And you can actually show them how these different defects come about. And then after that learning portion, you have some charcoal grills outside and they get to learn how to safely light a grill how to tell when the grill is ready so that you don't scorch the meat or the skin. And um, then you can cut up those chicken carcasses as the grill is heating up, and you can do all the different parts ID for those chicken carcasses. So show them the difference between a leg and a leg quarter, a drumstick and a thigh, a drumette versus a wing and a drumstick. All those things, you can cut those birds up, and then when the grill is ready, you can set them out on the grill, and at the end of a few minutes cooking, maybe add some barbecue sauce. You can eat your um, your uh, chicken, and maybe everybody could at home before they come to the meeting uh, design their own secret sauce. There are recipes online, and they might be able to, to come up with their own sauce. Or they can just bring whatever they like, really like at home and they can practice grilling themselves. Because that, that amount of patience it takes is a skill in and of itself. So there's something that you can do uh, while you're waiting for the grill to heat up and reach the right temperature. You can do either some of those word activities or you can, um, you can uh, cut up those chickens and, and show the defects for those birds. But that's a great way to, to get kids more confident with cooking on their own. And that's why I say that's why uh, mostly older kids, maybe 14 and up, before they leave the house, before they head off to wherever life's going to take them, be it college or trade school or wherever they're off to, you might want to make sure that they know how to cook for themselves outside of uh, pots and pans in the kitchen. Um, being able to cook on a charcoal grill is a great way. Uh, to get the heat out of the kitchen in the summer 
and take cooking outdoors. So, oh, you got really quiet, Andy. I'm still quiet. You can hear me now, though. Okay, yeah. Um, oh, you're very faint. How about now? Now, there we go. <laughs> okay, good deal. Um, uh, no, the 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 issue with chicken cooking, especially chicken on the grill, and the amazing difference between bone-in chicken and say the chicken tenderloin or boneless breasts or whatever is night and day. It, it literally takes quite a doing, at least in my experience, uh, even just cooking drumsticks to where you know um, uh, the right temp- how long and what, what temperature the grill needs to be and, and the, you know, what the fluid running, you know, clear and then the temperature. It's it really between the, the, it's like night and day, baby. And it is, that's great that kids can, can actually, and this is a great thing to teach too, cooking with a parent on the grill, learning those things, uh, especially bone-in chicken. And I would recommend that one night, maybe doing the bone-in chicken a night or two later, just the boneless breast. Exactly. Yeah. So difference because I, let me tell you, I've watched uh, chicken legs uh, bone in so many times to where I'm like, yeah, I think it's done and not even close to done. The outside looked done, but the inside was not near done and, uh, and cooking too hot, but the outside got patience. done. But you know, Perfect, yeah, patience, lower heat and the thing, the, the, but, but the tenderloin, I've, I've perfected the boneless. I still can't say that I have perfected the bone in not even close. It's just one of those things. So that that is fabulous uh, uh, information. I totally encourage that firsthand as well. These are things that I can do with uh, Caleb and, and Lily as they get a, a little older. I need to go to our second commercial break, Dr. McCurry. Sure, so ahead. hopefully people are, are learning a lot today, ideas with the kids, educational opportunities with kids, and their poultry. We know the kids already love their poultry. We know they love collecting the eggs. They know they love doing things after they collect the eggs, like helping mom in the kitchen, baking those pies and cakes and, and cooking eggs and pancakes and all for, for dad. And it's just it's absolutely awesome. But these are some more things that you can, with their backyard flock that they already enjoy, they're already having fun with, uh, all these things that you can use uh, to uh, continue to educate them using their chickens. Just fabulous. Who doesn't love that? So uh, there'll be more. When we come back right after this short break. The Yard Bird Chicken Plucker takes the hassle out of backyard chicken processing by fully defeathering birds in less than 15 seconds. The compact size makes it easy to transport and easy to store. The one and a half horsepower motor and 20 inch stainless steel tub can handle two eight pound birds at the same time. There are no belts or pulleys to wear out and no adjustments necessary, which makes it virtually maintenance-free. For more information about how you can own this must-have chicken processing product, visit YardBirdChickenPluckers.com today. That's YardBirdChickenPluckers.com. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. 
Ware Manufacturing. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. From our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. Actually, in reality, I am Super Chicken. How would you like a punch in the beak? Thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Again, our guest today, Dr. Bridget McRae, Ph.D., and we are discussing educational opportunities for kids and their poultry. Uh, got about 10 minutes uh, left of the episode, and so if there was anything uh, that you wanted to complete uh, the show with, let's go ahead and do that now. Dr. McRae, so far, it's been wonderful. Thank you, Andy. Um, so, Continuing on the uh, food side of things, I know a lot of the parents, uh, as their young people get older, um, they might want to explore a little bit more as to what eggs can offer them. And one of the things I've started doing here in Delaware is is, is giving a little bit of a challenge to my 4-H members, depending on how old they are, <clears throat> for some some egg dishes. Um mm-hmm. Next year's one of my challenge is for the the really young ones under eight years of age. I'm going to challenge them to make deviled eggs. 
Um, as you know, that does involve boiling water, so parental supervision is going to be required unless you have an egg cooker, but still those eggs are hot when they come out of the egg cooker. And so some parental supervision is required. Then for the group that's like, say, age 9 to 11, then I would challenge them to do a fried egg sandwich. Uh, for young people who are, say, 12 to 14 in the years of age, here's what's going to sound a little strange, but quiche. Quiche is a lot easier than you think, but it does require a little bit more in the way of ingredients and organizing yourself in the kitchen so that you can successfully execute a quiche. And then for the the much older um, um, young people, say f- age 15 on up, is try making an angel food cake not from a box. That means you have to separate the eggs, the egg white from the egg yolk, and you have to beat the eggs and add sugar at the right time. Um, and then hopefully, depending on how clean your equipment is, um, how successful you are, and, you know, you can do green tea angel food cakes or chocolate angel food cakes or just plain angel food cakes. Um, you can kind of think about some of the other things that are a little healthier, like maybe just some fresh fruit along the side when serving those angel food cake dishes. Um, it, you know, I'm how sure lots of people... Yep, go ahead. Then, yeah, I was going to say, not to interrupt, but then we can step it up a notch and have uh, the older older kids and into the adult age uh, start with cream brulee, uh, and then we get to use a blowtorch. Yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but there's lots of different foods out there that that uh, you know, as as the young people get gets a little bit older, they may want to try their hands at like say popovers or egg salad sandwiches. Um, or have them try using a different piece of equipment, whether it's an omelet pan or maybe a, a double omelet pan. Um, maybe they've never used an egg cooker before. Uh, you can have one group try three-minute eggs with boiling water and one group try an egg cooker and see if the eggs taste any different. Uh, there's lots of things that you can do or or an omelet competition where everyone comes with their favorite way to prepare an omelet and everybody votes on who's got the best omelet. Those are all neat ways to incorporate eggs into um, what, you're, what you're doing with your flock. Okay. Um, I mentioned barbecue before we went to the break, um, and I, I know a lot of your listeners have poultry, which may include some turkey, And I don't want to leave the turkey people out. Um, I would say encourage young people to learn how to cook with turkey as well as chicken because turkey is so much leaner in some preparations that you can think you're doing the right thing because you're used to working with chicken and you may have overdone it with the turkey. So there is a little bit of art there. So don't forget to try cooking with maybe um, ground turkey for hamburgers. You could have a ground chicken, ground beef, or ground turkey um, uh, barbecue off, uh, cook off. You could do um, uh, you could do a a, a piece of uh, a kebab for 
for beef, you could do a chicken breast, and you could do a turkey breast. And they can learn the differences that it takes um, in either how they handle it on the heat or how long it takes to cook or the temperature that you need to get it to in order to, to be safe and pull it off the grill. And like I said, that's more for the older kids because you are dealing with fire and there's a burn hazard and, and definitely you want um, an adult there supervising these activities. Uh, but at, every year I see these simple, easy grills that you can get at any box store. Um, they're charcoal grills rather than gas grills. And then if the kids really get into this stuff, they can start playing around with what type of charcoal they want to use and sauces they like. Okay, so showmanship is something that is very popular with young people because it means that they're working directly with their birds, maybe on a daily basis. And showmanship, either through 4-H or through uh, APA, ABA, is a great way for young people to work with the birds and actually train them. And understanding how training works is great. You can get your young kids a clicker and get the the animals to respond to a clicker. And you can actually, since chickens see color, you can train them to do certain things around, you know, colored cones or to peck at a, a, a ring or something like that. You could actually teach uh, young people a lot about um, about how to train all kinds of animals just by starting with the chickens. And so the reward program and, you know, you feed your chickens maybe some um, treats, and that might be the one time of the day when you offer treats to your birds is during training. So there's a reward for a treat, and there's actually, um, rather than just randomly giving treats, uh, you the birds actually have to work for the treats. And it teaches the young people a great deal about responsibility and doing that practice every day so the birds don't forget and they don't forget who knows andy maybe one of these days there's going to be chicken agility out there just like there is for rabbits and dogs and other species of animals hmm. next i would oh go ahead andy no i said maybe there may be very well be <laughs> yeah maybe one of these days um one of the other things I wanted to share with your listeners is just incorporating some of those activities that you see in other projects and keeping your eyes peeled um, for, you know, things that you see some of the great teachers around you utilizing. Um, you can incorporate that into some of the chicken activities using some of these resources that I mentioned, either the avian bull manual or, uh, which is, just chock full of facts that you can share with young people or maybe you can pull definitions as the American Poultry Association standard of perfection and get your young people um, excited about poultry in different ways, uh, more than just uh, showmanship and, and keeping them and loving them, but maybe understanding where their food comes from a little bit more and how commercial industry is involved in this process and understanding how foods and food safety works so that if even if they don't start their own flocks when they move away from home, um, maybe at least you can be assured that they will cook their food in a safe manner and not be as prone as 
maybe some of their fellow counterparts out there in the world to foodborne illness after they leave the nest, <laughs> so to speak. Um, so there you go. There's just some suggestions that I hope some of your um, your listeners will take advantage of. If you do some of these suggestions, I would say send Andy a picture. I'd love to see what you've been doing with your young people. And I haven't even delved into egg decorating, which I know is something I'd like to set, um, usually talk about closer to Easter time. But that's always something great that you can do with young people and, and the eggs that you get from your flock. I wondered if you were going to mention something about egg decoration and egg art in today's episode, but because um, I know you're you're really um, into that. I enjoy and it. And yeah, and and, and uh, whenever we're together at a festival or something, you say, "Oh, you've got to come take a look at these eggs," and they are quite beautiful. I have to admit, they're awesome. It's very easy this time of year to to take an egg and draw a little pumpkin face on it and maybe glue some a little leaf to the top and then you've got a little pumpkin egg. Uh, just something kind of fun for the season that they can do and maybe put it in some orange dye if you have it. Um, and if you, if you hard cook them first, then you can eat them on Halloween for breakfast and they'll have pumpkin <laughs> eggs. <laughs> I'm going to go boil me some eggs now too. You've got, I don't always do that, but I <laughs> And now I'm gonna to have to go for breakfast. You're right, just because easy, it's quick. You already, you know, night before a couple of days ago, we got them in the fridge, and just uh, there, there you go with it. So gotta love it. Or a good egg salad. That's good. Maybe I'll get yeah. you to make a good egg. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what egg salad would taste like if you put cooked pumpkin in there. I mean, they put con- cooked pumpkin in everything in Australia. It's so tasty. Yeah, and uh, maybe just maybe if we feed pumpkin seeds to our chickens, they'll no longer have internal parasites. <laughs> <laughs> That's Who another knows, show. In Andy? fact, Who knows? That's a great segue into this Thursday show. We doubled up this week. Um, we had the hurricane come through, so I was on the road evacuating uh, last Thursday when Dr. McRae was supposed to be on. Ah, so, again, yes. thank you. For rescheduling, but this Thursday, uh, same time, 2 p.m. Eastern, this same chicken channel, the whole nine yards, we've got Dr. Maurice Pateski on, uh, Dr. Vet, uh, Veterinary Medicine, and a bunch of letters after his name out at UC Davis, and he reached out to me, and because um, he's 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 so focused in his research and, and there, a lot of times he doesn't have time to do the social media thing and he went to a conference on i think pasture raised poultry and he he emailed me and he was just like almost like he was like just bombarded with this oh my gosh there's so much bad information out there it's absolutely mind-blowing we got to do a show on this and i'm like like uh, welcome to my world dr pateski <laughs> so, what we've been doing for years and years is trying to educate folks <laughs> exactly. So um, this Thursday, 2 p.m., we're going to do a, a, a blockbuster segment and uh, talking about some of these things. He's gathered some. I've got uh, a book load, no pun intended, because we'll have a book next year, the Factor Chicken Poop. And um, that's what this show Thursday is going to be all about, blockbusters and uh, Factor Chicken Poop. Really looking forward to that. So uh, what a great segue. That'll be this, this Thursday. Dr. McCray, thank you very much for joining us. We look to having you back. Let me look at the calendar here um, next Tuesday, no, Thursday the 20th, I think. Thursday the 20th is your 
next episode, yep. and we'll talk about what we'll talk about then. That'll be great. Hey, thank you very much for joining us. Great show and great topic. Thank you. Bye for now. All righty, that's going to wrap up another episode of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by our good friends over at Combot Feeds. And seriously, share on Facebook. I'll put it on Facebook, but please share it. Uh, this Thursday, Dr. Pateski uh, talking about, again, blogbusters, um, myths, uh, rumors, stereotypes, bad information, uh, quackery, wives' tales, uh, different things like that that are posted, and, and that's an example. Oh, pumpkin seeds are an all-natural dewormer for chickens. Um, oh, sorry. So, uh, and, and that one really goes viral uh, this month in October as more and more people have access to pumpkins. Is pumpkin a, a okay treat for your chickens? Absolutely as long as it's not more than 10% of their daily nutritional ration. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, go ahead and knock, knock yourself out, a little bit of pumpkin for the birds. But to go on a forum or a blog and just say, make the statement, pumpkin seeds are not natural, okay, right. So we're going to be talking about that and many more. You know, uh, uh, hot uh, red pepper flakes uh, will increase laying production in the winter. All this stuff we're going to talk about this Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I hope you can join us. Uh, thanks for tuning in today. God bless everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.